Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I'm super excited today to have Christy Kerner with me. She is the CEO and founder of My Little Mascara, and we've never had the pleasure of having a founder on our show of somebody who's done a product launch and done one so successfully. So I thank you so much for joining us, Christy. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background and how you serve the community, how you got here today. Yeah, you bet. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little ways back to give some context for how, how, how things came to be here. So I had a bit of an atypical upbringing. I mean, the long story, but to keep it short, I basically spent over 10 years in an end-of-the-world survivalist cult. And so instead of getting a chance to go to school and do a lot of the normal things, what I got was a deep study in human behavior, psychology, theology, philosophy, paired with an opportunity to be kind of the founding operator of what very quickly became a multi-million dollar business. And so, you know, pros and cons to, to that whole experience, I'd say, on both directions, but I am grateful now for what that's done for me and getting a really early start and just seeing from the inside out what it takes to build a company. That was kind of in my teenage years. And so as I moved further into life and tried to kind of navigate that journey of coming out of that environment and bumbling my way around in the real world, I didn't do a super good job of that at first. I came forward to, let's say, around 2007 when I was fresh out of a difficult divorce and looking to try and kind of reestablish myself and try and, I don't know, heal, give myself a little better sense of confidence again, because I had lost a lot of what I even, the little that I had. So it was a funny thing. I decided to start a diamond jewelry line which is a little out of left field, a strange way to try and deal with this situation. That's a bold choice. Yeah, right? But I could see the high margins in jewelry and I felt like you know I wanted to help fix that a little bit. And I also just had a, I love design. I love creating beauty. And so I had a unique design thesis and I had a mentor that taught me how to really navigate the world of designing and having produced custom diamond jewelry. And so I was in LA at the time, the diamond district or the jewelry district down there has some really cool people. And so I was on a fun path to make that happen. One of my first selling channels was actually eBay. You wouldn't think it would be such a hotbed for diamond jewelry, but it is. It's interesting. But in order to build up my seller reputation, I also started selling some more, some less expensive jewelry, some, you know, sterling silver pieces. And, and because of again, my desire to kind of heal my heart, I really turned to some of those inspirational pieces that I could pull together to help women that was maybe a cancer survivor necklace or some of the you know jewelry that had messaging built into it. And so what was unique about eBay was the fact that you get customer feedback real quick. Like it's really easy when you have a product-based business to send a lot of things out there and you hear from the ones that are unhappy, but you don't necessarily hear from the ones that are happy, you know? Right. Um, But on eBay, because there's this common courtesy of people giving quick feedback, I had a lot of people that would just give me the little sentence or two of how much it touched their heart that I, I forgot to mention. I would include these little notes in each package that I would send out that were very heartfelt. You know, as I said, I was struggling to find my place in the world again. And 
I would just try and reassure people that they are enough just as they are, that what they have to offer this world is a unique sense of beauty and a unique purpose and a unique value and that they just need to stay true to that and know that who they are is good and it's already enough and just embracing what is there is much more what is needed than trying to change it or become something else. So it was my first taste of kind of really trying to send like these little messages of love and kindness out into the world in a way that I was surprised at how much it also helped me heal. So 2007, if you remember correctly, was also when we had this giant recession. Right. (laughs) Not not unlike what we're going through right now in in the way that it felt. Right. Yeah. No, it it felt very like earth shattering. Fortunately, property values aren't doing right now what they did back then, but but it, it was something that I realized it really was not the time to try and break into a luxury market with a new business because it was just going to be a difficult time. So I, I shuttered that company and didn't pursue my diamond jewelry line. But after a little bit of time, I, I ended up working at Boeing as an industrial engineer, but I just couldn't get out of my head this concept of how much good could be done in such simple ways. And so what that evolved to is that I built a local business is a series of alternative fitness studios where I personally, I had also experienced a tumor in my head. It's not cancerous. It's on my pituitary, but because it messes with my endocrine system, it just causes a whole host of problems. One of which is that my metabolism is just never predictable. It sabotages me in ways that make me very frustrated on a regular basis. (laughs) And so for me, I had decided that in order to stay active, I just needed to entertain myself because just facing a treadmill over and over with no results is a really depressing thing for anyone that's ever tried it. They know what I'm talking about. And so, so I built this, you know, 6,000 square feet of dozens of crazy cool classes, mostly themed around dance, but also just anything I could find that would be active and fun. And, and in that I created this community of women, which again, expanded on what I had seen before of women helping women feel better about themselves in life. And so what was cool about this is that now I had a live community in front of me that I could really see this, this burgeoning and I could see these lives transforming in becoming healthier people with better careers and better relationships. And, you know, this, this concept of, of helping women with their confidence became real, very real in front of me. Well, and and feedback too, I can imagine that you got, you know, you were able to see and feel and hear the feedback immediately. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I tried to infuse like in every business I've ever had, I I have what I call a spoiled budget line. So I literally reserve what is, I guess you could say, you know, part of what would otherwise be attributed to traditional marketing, but I reserve it to surprise and delight the people that I interact with. And so in that environment, for example, one of the things that we did is every week we would give women, women a flower. And so I would buy these giant bundles of flowers every day. And I would, when they first came to our studio, give them a a bud vase and tell them to put it somewhere where they will see it regularly on their bathroom sink or their nightstand or something like that. And then every week as they would come back to class, they would get a fresh flower. And the essence of it is, you know, every flower you're going to receive is different and unique and But that's just like us as women, like we come in all shapes, sizes, colors, everything. But if you really look at it, you'll note that just the fact that it exists creates smiles. 
And its unique beauty really contributes to this world just like it does for us. And so I wanted to give them that physical reminder that they could see on a daily basis to remember that their value is unique and beautiful and good, right? So I I so loved that company. I, I enjoyed it. I owned it for seven years and then I sold it about five years ago. And it was funny because it's one of the things as a quick sidebar that I talk to a lot of women about is sometimes we kind of outgrow our business. Like there's something budding in us that's ready to contribute to this world in a different way. And it's hard to let go of the past, but exciting to see what the next creation is going to be. And for me, being able to sell that company was, was key because the mission lives on without me. And so I still get to know that that good is, is happening out in the world. And that just makes my heart more happy than a lot of things could. Right. So fast forward, I mean, the last five years, I've really spent doing a lot of things helping other business owners. So I have a a decent amount of experience building companies for myself as well as for other people. I've had a few stints in there where I did some interesting things that way. I even got a chance to run the Center for Entrepreneurship at the university here in the town that I'm in, Phoenix. And that was amazing because I got to really try and help shape and influence the way that people look at building companies. So I've gotten to do some really fun things, but It was about two years ago that I think the ideas started coming back to me and I found a way that I could now, instead of reaching hundreds of women through my jewelry company or thousands of women through my studios, I saw a way in which I could reach millions of women with some happy moments, as I like to call them. And that got me really excited. And this leads to the amazingness that you're working (laughs) on right now. And you have launched into the world. And that is, and and I've gotten to hold it in my little hands. It is amazing. My Little Mascara. And I love the story of how you came up with the idea and how it shifted into inception. So please do share that with us. Yeah, sure. So, you know, as a blonde woman, (laughs) I think it's fair to say that I mean, you know, it's not like I don't feel like a beautiful human without my makeup on. I made peace in that arena, but I kind of don't leave the house without my mascara on because for me, there's just such a distinct difference between black eyelashes and blonde eyelashes that I guess you could say I know myself and people know me as the one, the version with the black eyelashes. And so point with that is that mascara, I'm not like a big makeup person. I'm just a really busy working chick is really how I, how I see myself. And because of my atypical upbringing, I never even got to play with makeup or really get like that engaged with it. So for me, mascara is really at the heart of my makeup routine. It's just the one thing I depend on. And what's interesting is that even though a lot of women have a different backstory, I find that mascara is that like anchoring item for a lot of women, even to the point that we almost feel like it's a need, not a want, because it's just, it's the one thing I've had women tell me it's, you know, They could take three things to a deserted island. It would be their phone, their mascara, and they'd have to think about the third one, right? Like, I mean, it's something that is close to our heart. And so for me, what that means is I'm a little bit of an analytical person. And because I care so much about mascara, I have throughout my life really paid attention to the nuance around what works in a mascara and what my preferences are and what I feel creates the absolute best results. And so... It was about two years ago that I really realized that a smaller mascara was something that in my eyes, well, actually it was years before that, that I kind of converted to using a mascara that is shorter than a a 
traditional one that you get at the grocery store. And that I felt like I could get better results. And it dawned on me that this might be something that, again, could become a way for me to not only solve something and create what could be the perfect mascara, but also be able to reach women everywhere with with what I love to do, which is helping them feel better about themselves in life. And so what I looked at is I, I started kind of really researching it because I knew I had this hypothesis that a smaller mascara is easier to use. Your hand is closer to your eye, so you can kind of you know, there's a hand-eye coordination improvement. Also, you can get different angles. You can kind of take the mascara um, wand back toward your ear in a way that you can't with the longer one. And it helps you fan out the edges of your lashes, which is a look we all love. And also, you know, brush is important. A lot of, even still the number one selling mascara today is just a straight brush. And that's what a lot of people are used to. And then innovation is a little crazy. There's like things that look like, I don't know, ball and chain with spikes on it. Like there's some crazy there's stuff some, happening. There are right? some really weird ones so out intense. there. Right. But like, how about we go with the principles of design thinking where you actually look at the human body and you look at the way that people use it and you let that inspire the shape of the brush. And so for me, what that is, is you... <laughs> For almost all people, like there's a little bit of an arc to our lash line on the top and the bottom. And then we want those top lashes to fan out on the edge. So I created a brush that has that nice little bit of an arc and then a little bit of a straight edge to help us fan out the edges. And now instead of having to attack the bottom lashes with some weird vertical up and down poking concept, like we can actually use our our mascara brush on the top and the bottom lashes, right? So so I started seeing all of these ways that I could really try and really refine and change the shape of mascara, both in its size and the way that the, the brush fits the human body. And then in addition, I mean, that's half of the battle, but then the other half is the formula, right? The mascara itself. And mascara is an interesting thing in that we care so much about it that we put up with all kinds of annoyance. And there's not a lot of things in life that we'll do that with, but mascara we just have. I, I don't know if the industry is just lazy or if they just haven't been able to figure it out or what, but we put up with formulas that are highly chemical, put up with formulas that smudge or that run or that end up on our face instead of our lashes by the end of the day. We put up with formulas that get clumpy. That's mm -hmm. literally the number one thing that I think we can all relate with, right? Yep. And so I dove into each of those problems as well. And I found that not only does a large mascara last so long that you just open and close it enough that it's hard for it to not get clumpy, which by the way, a shorter mascara helps solve for, but there's also a delicate balance in the types of waxes that you use and the way that you approach the formula where you can really improve that clumpy factor. In addition, like I said, making it smudge proof, like different types of wax perform differently. And so there's a trade-off, but you can make a mascara that's not waterproof, but won't smudge. And I've done that. There's also, you know, there's there's so much that we can do to be able to create, oh, and natural ingredients. Like I legit, our mascara has over 90% natural ingredients. That's practically unheard of. That's and huge. Again, the number one selling mascara, like it has a coal tar in it. Like it's it's such a toxic to um, ingredient that the FDA has to batch certify every batch that's produced so that they can be like, okay, well, this batch is riding that line of toxicity well, so you can use this batch. Like it's crazy. So all of those were components of what to me I saw as like a really interesting opportunity to create a product that could be done better and that could enable me to then also create a world in which I could send little packages that are 
happy, surprise, delight moments to help women lift themselves and feel better on a regular basis. So this is how My Little Mascara Club was born. But that was two years ago. That was just the idea. I spent months researching it. And then I spent more months <laughs> diving into the cosmetic industry and networking, networking my way in and researching how all the manufacturing would work. And you know, if there's one thing that, you know, if anyone listening that is a company builder wants to hear, this is the one thing that I will always say is most important. As company builders, the one thing we have to be good at is figuring stuff out. Actually, I usually say that with a swear word, but I'm trying to refrain. So oh, this, this is a fuck friendly. This is okay. a fuck friendly. So we just have to figure shit out. Like that's yes. all we have to have, right? Yes. And if we, if we refine that muscle to be able to figure shit out, like we can do anything. We're unstoppable. And so, you know, yeah, I, I had done some things before lightly in manufacturing and in some of these areas and I built companies and I've found, you know, marketing and I've set up finance and I know tax accounting, like I have a baseline, but I've never built a mascara brand before. Right. And so, right. But that doesn't mean that the wisdom's not out there. I just have to go and I have to find people and I have to ask questions and I have to research things and I have to, you know, you just keep at it and you can do anything. And so that's what I did. As I went through all that, I worked with teams of cosmetic scientists from all around the world to be able to create what I envisioned. And then move forward. And it took months and months and months to get through, you know, research, development, testing, no animal testing, of course, manufacturing, and then really getting to the point where I had the brand ready and developed because I, I put a lot of care and heart into the way that we approach the world through our brand, because I think that visual communication is such an important part of the story. And so it was basically, I think, March of this year that we were really ready to launch live into this world. Ooh, in March. What a month. We're, I, we're still in March, right? We're still right. in March 2020? Basically, yes. <laughs> so you went to go launch My Little Mascara. And how soon was it that COVID really fell upon us that um, you launched the, the product? Yeah, it was, it was literally the same week. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, it was so intense. I mean, you know, COVID was dancing around the edges before that, but it was the week that everything started going on lockdown and it became just the thing that was top of mind for everybody it was really the same week that I, I tried to launch. So, so yeah, that was a unpredictable, unanticipated situation. I like to joke that like, I actually thought it was kind of pretty brilliant to have a company that is centered around the one product that most women won't leave the house without. But I didn't anticipate a world in which we all stopped leaving the house because <laughs> that meant that... Well, but, and also no. if you think about it too, I mean, for some people that's lipstick and we're all wearing masks. And it's true. Because, and because like my best friend is an is a ICU nurse and because she's wearing a mask, she says a lot of people can't tell if she's female or male. And so mascara <sighs> has become very, very important part of her routine because she feels more feminine Right. Because that's the only way that they can really, you know, in her mind, tell that she is female is that she wears eye makeup. And so, so, you know, like you not only did you nail it on the head in terms of, you know, the product that we can't live without, but we're not covering our eyes with a mask. So thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That'd be a whole new world of crazy. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so how did you have to pivot in terms of what your what was your original launch idea and how did you have to pivot things fairly quickly because you were launched already? So mm -hmm. how did you have to do that? 
Yeah, you know, it was it was scary. I mean, to try and connect with the world because, you know, just getting the word out about the brand is is a giant effort that takes a ton of resources and time and and all the things. And so one of the most simple and straightforward and easy to activate versions of that is something like paid social ads on Facebook and Instagram, right? But it was interesting because just trying to activate that and it wasn't working. Like I think I had $300 in sales in March and I just was beating my head against the wall going, I know I have a beautiful brand. I know I have an excellent product and incredible experience available for people. Like, why isn't this connecting in? And when you're marketing, especially in a form like that, there's like five variables. Your copy could be wrong. Your image could be wrong. Your headline could be wrong. Like it could be so many different things that can sink the efficacy of an ad and it's tough when you have this X factor called COVID where if we put ourselves back in our shoes in late March, you know, there wasn't food on the stores in the grocery store. Like, I mean, we were in this weird apocalyptic mindset where... We did not know how we were going to clean our rear ends. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like we just, it was something that buying cosmetics was not top of mind. And even buying anything, we all didn't even know what the certainty was of our incomes and things like that. And so, you know, people were so locked down on spending that we had a coin shortage. They were holding onto their pennies, right? So I was like, okay, maybe that's a factor here. So let me not assume that it's a problem with my company. But as I moved forward, I thought, okay, my job, again, as a founder is to figure shit out. So the way that I try and solve things is I dive deeply into like the problem, like what is actually happening here? Because in a weird way to super oversimplify it, if you really study the problem, you can see if there is, you know, too much white, you add some black. If there's too much black, you add some white. If you were painting, right? And trying to hit that beautiful blend of gray. So like the more that you can understand the problem, it's almost like the solution can become evident. And so I thought, okay, I know humans and I know women and as we moved into mid-April, where we were getting a baseline sense of, okay, the world's not going to end at least, I knew that people would be spending again, but I couldn't figure out, I, I also could see it was a different pattern than what would be typical. And so for me, I thought, well, where are women spending their time and where are they willing to spend? And what is so funny is my hypothesis after I checked it out was true. We were in our games which is hilarious because nobody this wants to admit This is what blows it. me away. Like when you mm-hmm. told me this, this absolutely blew me away. What's so funny is like, I can even, when I'm talking to investors, I can say, all right, tell me that one game on your phone that if you're at the airport and you've scrolled through your email, you know, if it's a non-business person or even still, you've also scrolled through Facebook, like you've, you've done your sweep of all the things that you look at. Like you still have... 20, 30 minutes before you're going to get on the plane. You're bored. Like, what are you going to do on your phone? And even like the most staunch person is like, oh, I love that one where you connect the dots, you know? Like, I mean, we all seem to have something on our phones that we'll use as just that decompressed time passer. Maybe we'll do it while we're watching TV. A lot of us like to kind of play on the phone while we watch TV. But one of the ones that I, I could see I know is popular. It's called Design Home. It's a it's a place where we can create beautiful spaces. And so they've just done an incredible job of creating virtual rooms and virtual furniture. And they let you spend your real dollars on fake virtual furniture <laughs> and create pretty, pretty rooms. But hey, the way I look at it, which I know is the way that some other women were looking at it, is 
if I spend 20 bucks in a month or maybe 40 bucks in a month, I go crazy to be able to spend some time every day kind of getting my creative outlet out. It probably saved me from rearranging my house seven times and going shopping and buying real furniture, which is significantly more expensive, right? So yeah, I basically, you know, reverse engineered the situation, went and figured out who runs the offer walls in these types of apps and built a relationship with them and got my my product inside those apps where I knew women were hanging out so that it's this classic thing if you can either buy your points or you can go over to that little special spot in the app where you can buy something else and get free points. And a lot of women started buying mascara so they could get their free points. And that's how we were able to shoot up really quickly with our revenue and our, and our subscriber base this, this past summer. So That's awesome. And I think... It's important, we haven't mentioned it so far too, that Christy's product, this My Little Mascara, is not only is it small, petite, natural, all of the things that she said, it's a subscription-based. So it lasts for approximately three weeks? Oh, no. So it lasts about, with daily use, it's like five or six weeks. Five or six Um, weeks, yeah. mm -hmm. Yep, which is great because the FDA, like, I mean, they actually call out mascara because so many people keep their mascara too long. Mm-hmm. And that's just a real bacteria risk right at our eyes, which is a little crazy. And so, yeah, we send the, you know, we help women figure out how often they should receive it every four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks based on how much, how often they wear a mascara. But then we make sure that it shows up at their door with free shipping, you know, right in the right amount of time for them to know it's time to replace it. Which is perfect, not just for like aesthetically, you know, having a nice mascara, but then it's also more hygienic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it is, it's kind of a big deal. There's some pretty crazy stories out there on the internet if you ever want to see something terrible. So <laughs> absolutely. Or not absolutely. That's for sure. <laughs> Probably so the better for version. you, what's the most important thing when people experience My Little Mascara? What's the most important thing that you want and your goal when they're going to experience this product? Yeah. You know, it really goes back to really the, the mission that I had from the beginning here, which is helping women feel better about themselves in life. And so the way that I'm doing that with this company is, I'd, I'd say twofold. The first one is absolutely fun. In every package that we send out, we have what we call the little box of happy. And so there's a special surprise that is included in every shipment that goes out that is aimed to offer a little treat as well as, I don't know, I guess you could say provide like a a mantra for the month or give you something to focus on or to remember about who you are and about, you know, how to focus on just being confident, being yourself and knowing that you have a lot of good to offer in this world and, and should remember that, right? And so our little box of happy is is something that is so important to me. In addition, you know, even just our mailer, the emails that we send out, everything is is purposefully designed to try and create opportunities to uplift other women. Which the, is um, so important. I mean, yeah, like right? really, it's just something that we tear, we as women tear each other down. So every opportunity that we can to lift each other up is is so important. Yeah, no, that is absolutely important, I think. I mean, it's it's something that anybody ever tearing anyone else down, male, female, whatever, it's only coming from their own insecurities. We accidentally do things, not accidentally, but we automatically do things that hurt other people because we are hurting. We haven't healed that yet. And so emotional intelligence is also a big part of what I focus on. And so one of the things that we are 
really close to launching. I mean, everything just takes time as you're, as you're growing quickly. But we have a an, kind of an online community, if you will, where women can join different clubs and be a part of different networks of women that are there to help each other, that are there to help lift each other, that are, you know, if you're a new mom, they're there to help you get some wisdom around what to think about and how to do it and have someone that they can turn to. If you are, you know, entering your career or looking to shift your career, there are people there that will chat with you and that will that will help you think through things. And creating that opportunity to have a place that we can go online as a part of our website that is providing education and is providing information and and has live interviews around how women have taken one area of their life and created Zen and internal peace and happiness in that one area. Maybe it's their relationship with their mother. Maybe it's with the way that they built their career. It could be anything, but we all have an area or two of life that we have kind of tackled and, and done well. We all have a lot we're still working on. <laughs> but if I can help women share their story around where they have created that balance and peace and Zen in life, and we can reverse engineer that so that they can help other women tackle that area in life. Like we're doing some really interesting things, right? And so that's another piece to it that, you know, is important to me is just really creating this, this community that, um, that can be there for each other and can and be there to help lift each other. That's beautiful. Well, Christy, I always ask two questions on every show. And the first is, if someone walked away from this episode about learning your journey, learning about what it was like to, you know, from inception of idea to research and development to launching and then having to launch in such a, a, you know, volatile environment in terms of the pandemic what would it be that you would want them to take away as a nugget or a tip if they had you know, a, a curious spirit about either being an entrepreneur, doing a product launch or service-based? What would you want them to walk away with as a tidbit about your journey? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. It is just that if you don't know how to do it, that's okay. Like, that's literally where we all start. Like, I can't even tell you how many days I wake up and I'm like, okay, so I need to do that no clue how, but I know that I have the muscle to be able to figure it out. And so here I go. (laughs) Like it's exhausting. Don't get me wrong. Like you really have to get good at self-care and a lot of things to give yourself the strength to constantly be challenging yourself in, in new ways, but everything is a problem and it can be figured out. Like you can't be stopped if you are, if you just remember that there's nothing wrong with not knowing how something will work. You just go and find it. Yeah, and be ready to fail, and that's okay. Yep, yep, and that's because that's, that's part how of it. we learn <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the last question that I have for you, and it does not have to necessarily do with this topic at all, but in your lifetime, what has been the most meaningful piece of advice that you've been given in any way, shape, or form? It could be from a book, a letter, could be a loved one, a friend, or something you've heard on TV. But what has been something that's really stuck with you that has been very motivating for you? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss did it here. So to me, it's just, it's that simple quote that says, be yourself because those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. And for me, that's, yeah, it's just really important. I mean, I would say with the the kind of caveat that being ourselves is who we are at our core. It's our heart. It's not a license to go treat people bad. It's just get down to the core of who you are because all of the ways in which people treat each other poorly come from 
people not being themselves and being insecure and having all these layers on top of being themselves. But yeah, absolutely. Who we are at the core is something that that is who we were designed to be, who we are, you know, it's our destiny to be. And so really getting centered on who that is and letting that shine through is something that we just can't go wrong with. I love, love, love that. I think that is, well, number one, I love Dr. Seuss. I just think that he's whimsical and fun and, you know, it, it brings back just good memories, both from adulthood and childhood. But also I think that the message is so important in, you know, just being authentic and really allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to be authentic. Um, sure. Because that can be a scary thing, but we can't really get the results that we want unless we do that. I agree 100%. You said it well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been my, sincerely, it has been my pleasure to chat with you about this. And for everyone listening, if you are interested and you should be interested in My Little Mascara, we will be linking all of Christy's information and all of the product information in the show notes. I please invite you to take advantage of it. Give it a little trial run and check it out. See what's different, new and exciting about it and find Christy on social media. Where do you hang out mostly on social media, Christy? Uh, I'm a Facebook girl. I'm I'm also a Facebook girl too. So yeah, check, check it out and let us know if you have any questions that we can pass along. But This has been another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez. It has been my pleasure to be with you here this week and every week. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. 